turn your Bibles to, with me to Isaiah chapter number 1, and we are going to read two verses in Isaiah chapter 1, or let's make it three verses from verse 18 through to verse 20. Isaiah chapter 1, from verse 18 through to verse 20. The Bible says, I come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they, sh they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Hallelujah. The mouth of the Lord has spoken the words that have life. Amen. And uh, if you're looking for a subject title of uh, my message today, it is what it takes to eat the good of the land. Wow. I've preached this message some time ago, but I believe I, I felt the prompting of the Lord to preach this message again, to say to you that even in the pandemic era of the world, there is a certain good in the world, in the earth for you. And God wants us to eat the good of the land. So he's, gonna, he's teaching us how, what it takes to eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. There is a good in every land as well as a bad. A land can, be, can give you good things and can give you bad things. Hallelujah. There is a good in the land and there is a bad in the land. And in order for you to enjoy the good of any land and to enjoy the good of the land, you must know the owner of the land. Hallelujah. The owner of the land. You see, uh, when, when we're growing up, when we're growing up in the area that I lived, we had a lot of mango trees, a lot of mango trees, and a lot of, uh, you know, fruit, fruit trees like pear, uh, apple trees, and uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, I don't know the name of, of the trees, but we had, we had coconut as well. And as kids, we used to like going to, various houses we play in every house like each house has maybe a child and the child is our friend so this, today we pray we play in this house the next day we'll go to that house and go so every house is our house but the house that has a lot of mango trees at the time of the season of mangoes was our favorite place because you don't have to do much to collect as by the time you get there the mangoes are all over the place and you just pick them so we like to go there but you see in order for you to enter into any house and be able to collect the, the, the mangoes that are there, you must know the owner of the house. You must have a relationship with the owner of the house, else you cannot, you cannot pick the mangoes. It won't be very easy for you. Hallelujah. So it was great, you know, to know the owner. And uh, I want you to know the owner of the earth that you are walking in. In Psalm 24, the Bible says, Psalm 24, from verse 1 to 3, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Hallelujah. And you must, if, let, me, let, me, let me read the third verse. The third verse says, Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in, the, in his holy place? Amen. Who may ascend to the holy hill of the Lord? Hallelujah. You must know the inhabitants of the land as well. So first of all, you must know the possessor of the land. And secondly, you must know the inhabitants of the land. 
Because if the inhabitants of the land are at longer heads with you, then you have a problem. You know, in those days, when you, when you fall out with one of the kids whose house there are mangoes, you can't go there to play because the kid is not happy with you. So you may be in good bo uh, books with the parent, but if the kid is not happy, then you have a problem. Amen. So we must also know who the inhabitants of the land is so that we can know how to maneuver to, to be able to enjoy the good of the land. Turn your Bibles with me with, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Popular scripture we all know for. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Now, we are looking at the scripture, and the scripture is telling us that the inhabitants of the land are not very nice people. Hallelujah. So we have, we have found out that the earth is the Lord and the full, fullness thereof, thereof and everyone that dwell in it is owned by the Lord because he founded it upon the surface of the waters. So God is the owner and the possessor of the land that we walk in. And he is our father. So it means that we have access and we have every right to enjoy the good of the land that we are walking on. Amen. It doesn't matter what land you come from. It doesn't matter what country you come from. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And everyone that dwells therein belongs to God. And if you are God's child, then the earth is for you. Amen. So the goodness of this country is yours. You know, in, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, this is what God said. said. I want you to look at it. It says that, then the Lord blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And fill and subdue the earth and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. Hallelujah. What joy. The owner of the earth, our father, God himself, he has created us in his image. And the Bible is saying that he has blessed us and he has instructed us to be fruitful and multiply upon this earth that we live in and fill the earth. And not only that, but subdue the earth or have dominion over the earth. Amen. Over everything. Which means that everything that is good, that belongs to the earth, must be ours. Hallelujah. Everything that belongs to, to God is ours. Everything that we see, even in the midst of a pandemic and recession, the Bible, uh, the news people are saying that the, the world is about to hit a recession and it's about because of the pandemic that we have gone through, we are about to go through, you know, a lot of uh, contraction of the world's economies. There's bad news all around. But I came here to tell you and I came here to challenge you to say that the earth is the Lord's. And everywhere the sole of your foot treads upon, God has given you that land. And he wants you to be the possessor and the eater of the goodness of the land. Somebody shout hallelujah. God wants you to possess the land. Have everything that is in the land at your beck and call. Amen. You don't need 
the, the, the blessing of the prime minister or the blessing of the governor, the blessing of the president, the blessing of uh, the mayor to enjoy the good of the land. You don't need connections or disconnections to enjoy the good of the land. What you need is your God. What you need is to have God in your right place. And we just said that the inhabitants of the land are not wimps. The Bible says that for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark ages, darkness, of darkness of this ages, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, which means that the people who live in this land, I'm not talking about the, the, the human beings, but the principalities, the people that you can't see with your eyes, they are wicked spirits. Amen. Unfortunately, or fortunately, the Bible says that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Amen. He prepares the table before us where our enemies can see. And you see where your enemies are sat, the table on which your enemies are sat. If you are going to enjoy the blessings and the food there, you must have some, some wit about you. You must have some, some fire on you. You must have some force. You must be strong in yourself to be able to enjoy the, the, the table that has been prepared where your enemies are. Amen. You see, if you are going to survive and you are going to do well after post-COVID-19, you must have some tenacity. You must hear from God. You must have some, something about you. The Bible says that if we be willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. I want to give us, maybe to explain the, the points better, I want, us, I want to give us a case study. So let's look at um, Isaac in the land of famine. What Isaac did and how Isaac was able to eat the good of the land. And I want to assure you that if Isaac was able to eat the good of the land, then you can also eat the good of the land. Turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26, we're going to read from verse 1 to 6, and then we're going to jump to verse 12 and read from 12 to 16. Genesis chapter 26, the Bible says that, And there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king, of the Philistines in Gera. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in, that, in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give this, all these lands. I will perform the oath which I swore to, your, to Abraham, your father. I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of, the, of heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my status, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerah. Hallelujah. From to, uh, uh, jump to verse 12. He says that then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And he began to prosper and continue prospering until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds 
and of great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father, father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and had filled it with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Hallelujah. Now, you are never prosperous until you get to the point where your prosperity becomes an envy of others. Hallelujah. You are never prosperous until people are jealous of your prosperity. And that's the type of prosperity I'm talking about. That even in the face of famine, when everybody's crops are failing, when everybody is broke, when everybody is not doing well. You know, the last, last time I was reading the Forbes richest list, the, the people who have the wealth, their riches are dwindling. In the last six, seven weeks of uh, COVID-19, most of these wealthy people are losing their wealth. Amen. But if you have an Isaac, if you are an Isaac, even in the land of pandemic, even in the land of famine, even in the land of scarcity, you are going to be blessed. Your, fruit, your, 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 your produce will prosper and be fruitful. Amen. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You know, this particular scripture, when I think about it, it reminds me of the scripture in uh, 1 uh, Timothy 6, 17. The Bible says there, that command those who are rich in this present age, not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Amen. The world has uncertain riches. You know, you have a lot of millions in your bank account. You have a lot of properties and you think that that is all. One little virus, just one little virus, wipes away, wipes away millions and millions of pounds. Just slashes everything out. So you must not trust in uncertain riches. You must not trust in uncertain riches. What you must trust is the fact that you know the Lord. What you must trust in the fact that you hear from the Lord. What you must trust is in the fact that you are obedient to the voice of the Lord. When the Lord says do, you do. When the Lord says go, you go. When the Lord says stays, you stay. When the Lord says don't, you don't. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of us as Christians, we like to spiritualize things. We are so spiritual that we are no earthly good. We are so spiritual that it's like what is going on in the earth, we are oblivious to it. And so our God and the power of, of, of his Christ is never made evident to the people of the world. Because what makes news or what makes people really pay attention is when somebody who is wealthy speaks. It is time for Christians to be so wealthy when they speak, the earth stands, the world stands to listen to what they have to say. If uh, uh, um, the richest man of, of the world comes to say that he has now become born again, the whole world stops. Recently, um, this what's that guy called again? That uh, musician, the rapper, Kanye West. I mean, this guy has a few bob or two. He has a few uh, dollar bills to his name. People have been preaching. Pastors have been preaching all these years. This guy just came one day and says that I am now born again. The whole world just stops to listen to his 
messages. And now his messages are trending more than all the pastors. That should tell you that the world respects a certain type of riches that is not available in the house of God. And the reason why it's not available is because we have become so spiritual. We are busy fighting principalities and powers and demons. We are busy dominion and power. We are busy binding and losing that we are no earthly good. So the message of, 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 of Jesus Christ, the power of the cross, is not made relevant to the world. That's how come the world will come. There's a church here that has a lot of anointing, that has a lot of power. People will be passing back and forth and never ever be affected by the power and anointing in the place. Because people respect l'argent. When you have money, then they respect it. Hallelujah. So when a rich man says that, I've seen the Lord, everybody sits up and they say, where did you see him? Said the Lord took me from being broke and he made me a very immortal millionaire. Immediately the world believes it. Immediately you win a lot of people to Christ because your money is talking louder than the Shanda Banda Aita that you are speaking. Hallelujah. So it is time for us to enjoy the, 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 the blessings of the Lord. And the Bible says that God has given us all the riches for us to enjoy on this earth. Amen. And to make a mark, to make an, a, a mark on the earth before we check out. The earth is not for Christians to walk, in, walk on broke. Walk on broke and preach to ourselves, all ten of us. And then when we die, we all make it to heaven and that's it. That is not, I don't believe that is what God has called us to become. He says that he breathed on man and he says that be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. You see, the principle of first law. Anytime you hear something first in the Bible, it means the intent never changes. Are you with me? And so when God created man and the Bible says that he formed man, in verse uh, 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 20, 26, 25, say, come let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. And so God created man in his own image and his own likeness. And then he said to man, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Have dominion over the earth. That was God's first intention for man. And when if Adam ceded his, his dominion mandate to Satan, God didn't change that, that principle of man having dominion over the earth. It has never changed till today. Are you, are you with me? So when he sent Jesus, he sent Jesus to reconcile the earth back to himself. So his, the crucifixion and the, the work of Calvary was to reconcile back to the original position. And the original position was man having dominion. Hallelujah. I don't know whether you are being blessed by what I'm saying. But you see, this prosperity message has become, has been preached over preached. So a lot of people just close their ears towards prosperity. But I believe also that prosperity has its place to push in the gospel. Amen. And you will see what I'm saying that in a minute. But here are two principles. Here are the two, two things that I want you to, to, to understand. God certainly wants Asked to be blessed for two reasons. One, so that we can be a blessing to others. 
That's the first, first reason why God wants you to be blessed. There's no point in you getting millions and you are so stingy and so wicked and so mean. Nobody enjoys your blessing. Nobody is being blessed. Nobody is being educated through your, your pocket. Nobody is being uh, delivered from landlords and, and rent and all that by, from your pocket. Then there's no point. The first reason why God wants to bless you is to make you a conduit of his blessing. See, if God were to come and deposit one million pounds on your bed right now, as you are watching me right now, you run from the house. As you are, just imagine, as you are watching me right now on your bed in your living room, then an angel just flies with a, a, a bag of hundred, uh, one million uh, pounds and he comes to draw, ta, 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 he just comes and, and deposits the money. You won't touch the money, you run. Because that's not how God does things. You, you, will be, you will be freaked out. You won't even enter the house again. Hallelujah. But God wants you to be blessed through the hand of other people. And then you become a blessing to other people. That's how God is going to bless all of us. The second reason why God wants to bless you is so that we can enjoy the blessings of the Lord. I don't know about you, but as a father, I'm happy when my child is doing well. I'm happy when my child wears uh, 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 fine clothes or drives a car or something. I'm happy about that. That is the, that's the essence of all the hard work that a, a father does. is so that the children will, will have something that they didn't have. It, it will take a certain special kind of father to want to have something and not their children enjoy it. But naturally, every parent wants their children to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Hallelujah. But to do that, the Bible gives us two keys. The first one is willingness. If you be willing and obedient, two keys. Willingness. The word willingness means to consent to, to yield to, to accept. We have to consent to God's will and plan. Amen. You know, the first principle we talked about, God's will and plan was that the birds, the fish, the creeping things are to be subject to man. So that man has dominion over his world. Over his. To have dominion means to hold the power of everything in your world. He wants us, he wants the earth to yield its, fruit, its produce for us. That's what God wants. He wants us to be above. Have everything that is good. And we must accept that that is God's will. Sometimes it's difficult for us to understand that God wants us to have dominion and power. And have, you see, when we talk about dominion and power, we're talking about for you to have dominion, you must have resources to give you the dominion and power. It doesn't matter how weak you are. It doesn't matter how, how little tiny you, you are. If you have money, you have power. If you have money, you can dominate the land. You don't have to even be a citizen of that land. If you have money, you know, in most parts of the world, if you have a certain uh, amount of money in the bank, they give you natural uh, naturalization, citizenship. It doesn't matter where in the world. I, I, didn't, I don't think you, you knew this, did you? It doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you have a certain amount of money, you give you immediate natural citizenship so when you have money you have dominion 
You can come from a land, you don't speak the language, but when you go to that land and say, I want to be a citizen of Japan, and you have a certain amount of money, they'll make you citizen immediately. Because they know, you see, the, 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 the people of the world, they are not, they are not silly, they are, they are very smart. They know that if you have a lot of money, your money will trickle down to the people that live in the place. Because you employ workers who are citizens. You, you pay tax, you start businesses, and the businesses will benefit the land. The people that they close their borders to are people who are coming broke. When you are broke, they call you an alien. Then they ask you papers. What are you doing here? How long are you going to be here? We don't want you to come and bring your, your poverty into the, add to your poverty to the poverty that is already existing here. Hallelujah. The second one is that you must be obedient. If you are going to eat the good of the land, you must be obedient to the voice of God. Now we are going to look at uh, Isaac again. Look at, look at Isaac. The Bible says that in, in, in verse 1, he says that the Lord appeared to Isaac. No, the, 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 there was a famine in the land. Famine in the land. And anytime there's a famine in one land, the natural tendency that everybody has is to run from that land to another place. There was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine, which is that there was a first famine, and anytime there's a famine, it, it depletes the resources, it depletes the nutrients on the ground, it depletes everything. And then after that first famine, there was a second famine. Hallelujah. And Isaac went into a foreign land. Look at it. it is, Isaac was a foreigner in the land. Let's say Isaac comes from, uh, uh, give me a country. Give me a country. Brazil. Isaac comes from Brazil. And Isaac is now in the United States. That's where Isaac is. And the Bible says that the second thing, and the Lord appeared to Isaac. Can you imagine Isaac comes from Brazil? He's in America, but there's a famine in America. There is a coronavirus in America. Everybody's running away from America. And the Lord says to Isaac, do not go down to Canada. Or do not go down to, uh, give me another country. Your country is down America, isn't it? Do not go to Suriname. Because you are going down from America to Suriname. Or Colombia. He said, do not go there. Why? Everybody was running to uh, Egypt because Egypt had didn't have farming, they had resources, they had food, they had clothes, they had everything. So the natural tendency was to run from the place of, of farming to the place of plenty. You see, if post-COVID-19, if you are going to be prosperous, you must not do what everybody else is doing. You must do something different from what everybody else is doing. You must hear from God. And normally what God tells us to do is different from what man is saying. Hallelujah. So the first thing is that Isaac obeyed the voice of the Lord, which was contrary to common sense or the norms during famine. When others are running to Egypt, he moved to Gera. Amen. Do not follow the crowd. People say COVID-19 is coming. Everybody's buying toilet Then you also run and go and buy toilet 
and now you have a garage full of toilet roll and it hasn't been finished yet. It's been seven weeks and we are still there. The toilet will, COVID-19 will come and pass and you still have more toilet roll. Ah. Just pray that there's no flooding in your garage. Amen. Then the the second thing is that he lived in a foreign land and he made it his home. See, one of the things that a lot of people don't do when they live in a a land which is not their natural birthplace is to think like, they think like foreigners. I don't know whether you understand the English I'm saying. If you, you don't come from here, this part of the world, and for some reason you find yourself in this part of the world, you can never ever be successful and never ever be prosperous if you are thinking like a foreigner. If you think like a foreigner, you will behave like a foreigner. And if you behave like a foreigner, you will never enjoy the good of the land. Because the, the good of the land is foreign to you. Hallelujah. So the first thing Isaac did was to change his mindset. He changed his mindset to think as an indigent of the land. Hallelujah. He made the land his own land. Don't think as a foreigner. In Romans chapter 12 verse 2, the Bible says that be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation comes when your mind is changed. And if your mind is going to change, your mind must change towards the word of God. When the word of God says that, see the land everywhere that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you that land. God has given you that land. Behave like you own that land. Don't behave like you're a foreigner. I'm not from here. I don't belong. I'm not from here. I don't belong. I'm not from here. I don't belong. Stop singing that song. Hallelujah. You see some people buy, they'll go and buy, um, uh, Gas cooker, they'll buy fridge, they'll buy stove, they'll buy this, they'll buy that, and they say they are saving it when they go home. Where is home? And you get to the place you are calling home, and they'll call you a foreigner. They call the foreigners have come. Hallelujah. So change your mind. The next thing that Isaac did. The Bible says that Isaac had conviction that the hand of the Lord was upon him. Let's look at the scripture again. Go back to um, Genesis 26. We are in verse 2 now. The Lord appeared and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Verse 3. Dwell in this land and I will make you and I will be with you and I'll bless you. And to you and your descendants, I will give these lands and I will perform an oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Hallelujah. Isaac had to have a certain conviction that the hand of God was upon him. Sometimes we as Christians, we don't have the conviction of the land that we we are living in. We don't have the conviction. It's amazing how we have a conviction in church, but we don't have a conviction at the workplace. We don't have the conviction that this place that God has brought you, he has brought you to promote you. You don't have the conviction that you are going to be the the manager and the owner of that job one day. You don't have a conviction, so it affects uh, uh, the work output. It affects it. I pray that you will have a conviction of the place and what you are doing. Amen. 
Everything that you, your hands find to do, the Bible says, do it with all your might. Anything that God gives to you, any place God sends you, any play, anything that God is making you do, become, become the best at it. You just found this job. Make the job the best you can. Hallelujah. Incidentally, in, in, in this part of the world, you are not blessed because of the job you do. Your job is not what will be guarantee your prosperity. You know, say, if I become a doctor, I'll have a lot of money. It's not necessarily true. There are people who are washing cars and they have more money than those who have, are sitting in the theater. Amen. So it's, it really depends on, on the conviction that you have. Hallelujah. Have a conviction. Have a conviction and hold fast to it. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23, the Bible says that, let us hold fast to the faith of our hope without wavering. For he who, has, he, prom he who promised is faithful. He who has promised that is faithful. So let us hold fast to the confession of our faith. That wherever God sends me, the hand of God is upon me. Say that my hand will be with you and I will prosper you. Hallelujah. My hand will be upon you and I will prosper you. I see God prospering you. Amen. I say, I see God prospering you. Amen. Numbers 23, 19, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? If God has spoken it, God will make it good. Amen. If God says, I will bless you, he, you, can, you can take it to the bank. He will bless you. You know, the promises of God is like a credit card. When you have a credit card in your pocket and you are walking in a shop, you are not scared. When you have a credit card in your pocket and you are walking in the shops, you, you, don't, you don't say, oh, would I be able to pay? No, no. You know that when you, all you have to do is pick whatever you want to pick and go to the checkout and put the card down. And you are as good as having cash. Hallelujah. Have a certain conviction of God's promises and hold on to it. Somebody say amen. The next one, he says, I will do this because this is God talking. He said that I'll uh, go back to uh, 26. That's where we are. Genesis 26, verse 3, 4, 3. He says that I will perform this oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. God is a God of covenant. He's a covenant-keeping God. Dios to pactos which means a God of covenant. God is a God of covenant. Anything that, anytime God appears, God appears and, and remembers the fathers and he visits the, bless, the, the blessings of the fathers, he prolongs it and gives it to the children. Abraham is gone, but God has remembered Abraham and he's saying to Isaac, I am going to bless you, Isaac, not necessarily because of you, but because of my covenant I had with your father. Amen. So you see, the goodness of the land is going to be enjoyed by you, not necessarily because of your efforts, not necessarily because of how good you are, but because God is a God of covenant. And I see God rewarding you. I say, I see God rewarding you. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, the Bible says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, and the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his mercies for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandment. Once you are a keeper of God's commandment, you are a possessor of God's blessings. 
Once you are a keeper of God's law and the love of God's, God's uh, commandment, God transfers his blessing not only to you, but to your children's children. Amen. And I love the next one. Go back, go back. So uh, my default is 26. So quickly go back to 26. We are in verse 4. I'll make your name great. I'll give your descendants. We finish this. Go to the next one. Verse 5. The lands in your and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. The, the thing that you must understand, most of the, of the time, most Christians, unfortunately, we are very big on faith and very little on works. We are very big on the promises of God and very little in productivity. You see, it doesn't matter how much blessings that is pronounced and showered on you from the word. In fact, the Bible tells us that there are about 7,000 blessings to any child of God in this book. 7,000. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7,000. But you see, the fact that there are 7,000 blessings here doesn't necessarily mean that you walk in all 7,000. There's something that, an effort that is required from you. You need to put some, in some work. Most Christians don't like to work. We are lazy. Oh, the room has gone quiet. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says Isaac worked on the land. Do you know what it takes to farm in a, a, a farming place? To, to, to work in a land that is full of farming. You know, when there's farming, there's dryness, there's no rain. Which means that it takes ingenuity. It takes a lot of, it's not just uh, manual work, but a lot of thinking to be able to, to take a desert-looking land or a dry-looking land and be able to plant and grow. It means that you have to do irrigation. How do you do irrigation? How do you co connect, to, uh, uh, develop uh, water, um, ir irrigation from, from the water source to the land? You must be ingenious. You must think. Christians don't like thinking. Christians don't like thinking. You see, let me tell you something. One of the greatest blessings God has given us and will make us rich is our thinking. You see, as we are praying, oh God, bless me. Oh God, increase me. Oh God, give me money. Oh God, God is also praying, oh, when would this foolish person hear that I've already given him everything in between his ears? So the unbeliever will think and come up with Zoom and just go from zero to a billionaire within seven weeks of COVID-19. But it was somebody's thinking that can I come up with something that will make a virtual meeting? Hallelujah. Whilst Christians are shouting in tongues and binding and losing demons, somebody is sitting there you know some of the tongues we, we pray? If we had money, we wouldn't pray them. I'll leave it alone. Hallelujah. A lot of Christians hear the promises of God. And we go to sleep as if God would throw down the blessings from the skies. The blessing, no matter how big the promises of God are, will not come just by you doing nothing. It is when you start working with your hands that God 
prospers the work of your hands. When you start working with these hands and you start doing something, then God can breathe uh, prosperity or fruitfulness over the, the work of your hands. If you are not going to work, the Bible says the hand that does not work must not eat. It doesn't matter. You see, that scripture alone cancels all the prayer you are praying and the fasting you are fasting. God, give me. Open a way. Make a way where there seems to be no way. No, your hands are not doing anything. So you don't need any way to be made. You know, this type of messages is not popular in the church. But I'm preaching it anyway. Hallelujah. Away with this prosperity message that is making, bringing a lot of lazy Christians. 24 hours for 24 uh, uh, miracle blessings. Just give 24 pounds and, and spin, you know, over 24 times and God is going to deposit within 24 hours. Deposit a crazy miracle. Give you a car and a house. Then you see, one, two, three, 24 times. Then you go and put 24 pounds in the, in the offering basket. No. You might as well take the 24 pounds to the casino. You have the same chance. Hallelujah. You didn't like that either. Okay, that's all right. I don't, I don't mind whether you like it or not. How can a hardworking God covenant with and bless lazy people? Think about it. A hardworking God. The Bible says that he worked for six days and he rested for one day. And you want this God to come into a covenant with a Christian who sleeps for six days and works for one day. Does it make sense to you? A hardworking God. Six days he, he worked. One day he rested. And a Christian who goes to sleep six days and works one day. Recently, I, 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 I traveled somewhere, and uh, it was uh, Tuesday morning, about uh, nine. And, uh, no, it started Tuesday morning around five a.m. Where I was living, next door was a church. Night, Tuesday morning, around five a.m., the, the 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 people started praying. So I said, okay, maybe some people are doing morning prayers before they go to work. So it was, it was okay. Then you got to 6 o'clock in the morning, they were still praying. Then 7 o'clock, they were still praying. 8 o'clock, they were still praying. 9 o'clock, they were still praying. 10.30 a.m., they were still praying. 11 o'clock, they were still praying. Then I, they, this time, they started praise and worship. And it was so loud, nobody could sleep. I had been up from about 4 in the morning and it was now 11.30. So I put on my, my uh, trousers and I went outside to the place. I walked into the room. When I walked into the room, there were about 15 people there. About 15 people. And the sound, the, the, the speaker was outside the door. And it was blaring the whole area. Nobody could sit down. And there were only about 15 people. So I went and told the pastor, what is wrong with you? You're using this Casio, Casio keyboard that has speakers. There are only 15 people. Why do you have to amplify the speaker? 
to make so much noise and use microphone that is on the top of the vol- volume. And you are singing. Everybody. So I asked the pastor, what is wrong with you? And the pastor said, oh, you know, uh, excuse me. He thought I was just an unbeliever that I was talking anyhow. So he said, uh, excuse me, you see, sometimes we do that. I said, no, 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 listen. I said to the man, listen, I'm a pastor. I am a pastor. You are not talking to an unbeliever. I am a pastor. I have a church. I have churches. But I'm telling that what you are doing is not biblical. I said to, to the man, release them. Let them go and work. So, pastor, you don't understand. Here, we, all they have is hope. So, when they come and sing and pray, then they have hope that God will bless them. No, that is not what the Bible is saying. That is not what the Bible is saying. There is a time for everything. A time to work. A time to refrain from working. A time to pray to God. A time to praise. And a time not to praise. This is not a time to praise. 10 o'clock, uh, 11 o'clock, 11.30. When everybody's gone to work. And you are sitting here singing. Amen, amen, blessings and glory. And nobody annoyed me like the drama. I said, are you fighting with the drums? How can a hard-working God? You know, the Bible says that in the beginning, the earth was without form and void. And gross darkness covered the surface of the deep. And the Lord said, the, the Spirit of the Lord moved, and the Lord said, let there be. And there was, God is a planner. He said, separate the, 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 the greater light from the lesser light. And it was night and day. And then put the firmament on this place so that the waters don't come from the sea to overcome the land. God is a planner. God is a hard-working person. He's working and planning. You are just shouting in tongues and no plan, no vision. Hallelujah. And you expect to eat the good of the land. No, thank you. You are not going to have it. It's time for us to, to stop being over-spiritual. There's a time and a place. Time to pray. So I was telling this man, listen, let them go to work. When they come back from work, they can come and sing. This is not a time. And I was surprised that throughout my stay, almost every day of the week, these people are there pray, praying and praising God. Throughout. One day I told them, listen, if the next time I come here, I'm taking your speakers away. <laughs> They, they, they went to report me to the people said that this there's a new man that comes there. He comes from somewhere. It doesn't look like he's a. He's, he looks like a foreigner because he's the way he's talking doesn't make sense. So I was. I think the third day the, the pastor came to visit me, to come and oh you know uh, one day I invite. I say I will never preach in this church. No, I won't preach here. I will not preach here. I said, no, thank you. I'm not preaching in this place at all. How can a hard-working God be in covenant with a lazy bunch of people? It's time for us to become hard workers. And not just working hard, but working smart, thinking and planning. Don't say that it's COVID-19 and you have been fellowed, so you just sleep. You, now you don't know whether it's, it's morning or night. Your morning and night has bled into one. So it's like you, you stay up to 4 a.m. and you sleep to 4 p.m. Get a grip. 
I said, get a grip. It's time to work. Even at home, take a piece of paper, go on your computer, start working, start planning, start, you know, fashioning things. Yeah, you are being fellowed. You are not going to work, work for, for, for money, but you are getting a certain amount of money. Use that time and that money to, to, to make something of your life. Hallelujah. And look at this. The, the next one, go on, next one. Let's, let's go on. Verse, where am I? Because he has kept my, okay, next one, verse 6. Quick. So he stayed, okay, now let's go to 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And he began to prosper and he continued prospering until he became prosperous. For he had possessions of flock. Somebody say flock. So you see, Isaac did not just have one strand of income. Isaac did not have just one blessing. He had crops. Remember the first one I said that Isaac was a farmer. He farmed, he sowed in the land. He, he was a farmer, number one. Number two, he had sheep. Flock is sheep. And then number three, he had goats. If you read the, the uh, King, uh, King James, he says that Isaac was rich in, in goats, in sheep, in goats, and in cattle. Give me the King James, if you can. Because this flock and head is a bit confusing. Have you got it? He had... Sheep, goats, cattle, and then the Bible says he had servants, men. It's amazing how the Bible adds men to the resources of Isaac. He had men. How many men do you have? You can never be prosperous when you are working for yourself alone. You can never ever be prosperous when you are one man band. You need servants, you need people to work. To, to buy into the vision, to buy into whatever you are doing. Hallelujah. So God says that, the, the Bible says that he gave him crops, he gave him sheep, he gave him goats, he gave him cattle, he gave him men. He had the possessions of flocks and possessions of heads and possessions, I think it's, it's in one of the versions, heads and a great store of servants. I like this one. A great store of servants, which means that he had people who were doing IT. He had people who were doing logistics. People who were purchasers. People who were distributors. People who were doing different type of things for him. You don't get rich just doing one-man contractor. Most people don't like to trust anybody for anything. They want to do everything by themselves. You can never be prospered to a certain type of uh, level if you don't have people working for you. Amen. Job 22 from 21 to 30. How am I doing for time? Submit to God. You will have peace. Job 22, 21 to 30. Submit to God and you have peace. Think, then things will go well for you. Listen to this instruction and store them in your heart. If you return to the Almighty God, the Almighty, you will be 
restored. So clean up your life. This is Job talking. If you give up your lust for money and throw your precious gold into the river, the Almighty himself will be your treasure. He will be your precious silver. Then you will, you will take delight in the Almighty and look up to God. You will pray to him and he will hear you. You will, be for, you will fulfill your vows to him and you will succeed in whatever you choose to do. And the light will shine in the road ahead of you. If people are in trouble and you say, you say, help them, the Lord will save them. Even sinners will be rescued and they will be rescued because of your hands. Because your hands are pure. Hey, hallelujah. Now look at this, this particular passage. A few things I'm picking and then we can, we can go home. The next one is, first one says that submit to God. Submit to God. Submit to God. The next one says listen to his instructions. If you be willing and obedient, listen to his instructions. Submit to God. Listen to his instructions. Which means that anything God tells you to do, you do it. And he says that return to God. Give up your lust. Sometimes the reason why we don't get anything, any blessings from God is because we have so much lust. When we talk about lust, it's not just sex. Lustful things. You want the latest uh, track suits. You want the latest uh, uh, watches. You want the latest car, the latest this, the latest that. You have too much of lust. So God can't trust you with his blessing. Because he knows that when he gives you, you won't pass it on. Amen. The next one says that, then you will take delight in God. See, if you lose your lust for things, to amass wealth, to keep and hoard things, then you become a partner to God, with God to blessing others. You will, you will take delight in what God delights in. Amen. I'm looking for benevolent Christians who give. It's amazing how very few benevolent uh, Christians exist. You have a lot of benevolent unbelievers who are, they, all they do is charity. Recently, I heard Bill Gates says that he has decided that the rest of his wealth is going to be given to charity. So now he's working for charity. He has decided that from now onwards, anything he earns is not for him. It's for others. He's giving to the world. He's leaving a legacy. How many Christians are like that? How many Christians do we have who are saying that I'm going to become benevolent? I'm going to live to bless people. I'm going to live to give to orphans, give to uh, the poor, give, make, make room for people to become prosperous. Very few. That's why God can't trust us with the type of good that is in the land. Because the good in the land is not just for your stomach. It's not just for you and your family. It's so that you can use to bless others. Hallelujah. Then you pay, you pray, and come into covenant with God. See, then you will pray, and the Lord will hear you. And you will succeed. When everybody's hand is down, you shall say, there is a lifting, and the Lord will lift your hands up. Hallelujah. If you say, when others are, are, are in trouble, you say, help them. The Lord will save them. Then you will be a channel of God's blessing. Amen. 
This message is for us to become channels of God's blessing so that God can use you to bless others. You see, in post-COVID-19, there will be a lot of need. A lot of people around you will have need. Can I ask you to become somebody who goes around looking for people who need to bless them? And that thing doesn't have to be when you have uh, millions of pounds in your account. When you have paid all your, your debts, that's when you start doing it. You can start from today. I don't have a lot, but what I have, I'm going to share with somebody. So I look for somebody to bless the person with the little I have in my pocket. Then God can trust you with more. You see, the, the desert and the river are two lands that chance on water. The desert drank the water and became dry. The river took a little bit of the water and passed it on. So God gave it some more. Then he passed it on. Then God gave it some more. Then he passed it on. Then God gave it some more. Then he passed it on. And as the, 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 the river started passing all the water that God had given, then it became a source of life. Now bed, uh, fishes are living inside. You have frogs living inside. You have uh, different kinds of uh, uh, life, aquatic life going on in this same land. Because this land is generous. But the desert is dry. The desert is thirsty. Why? Because the desert is selfish. The water it receives, it drinks it and wants more. It receives, it drinks it. it wants. They have desert Christians. Desert Christians looking for more blessings from God. Desert Christians who don't want to give anybody anything. It is only in the church that 20 pounds is a lot of money. Because people are desert Christians. They don't like giving. Even to the Lord, they don't want to give. Hallelujah. The room is going quiet again. That's okay. When men are cast down, when people are in need and they have calamity, when the world is in recession, when COVID-19 takes a hold of us, the Bible says that, then you shall say, there is a lifting up and there is support and many will be supported. Let me give you seven quick things that we can do that will make us become possessors of this land. Seven C's. Quick, quickly, I'm just going to list them and then we'll go home. The first one, you must have a conviction. C number one, have a conviction. If you're going to be willing and obedient to eat of the land, you must have a conviction. Number two, you must have a confession. Your confession must change. When everybody's saying that we are doomed, we are broke, don't say we are broke. When they say that, oh, woe is me, don't say woe is me. Change your confession. Hallelujah. The next one is, the next C is your connections. Stop connecting to the world and what the world says. Stop connecting to the news. Stop connecting to all the things that bring negativity. Connect to God. So disconnect and connect. Hallelujah. And then next one, number four, be courageous. You can never prosper when you don't have courage. Anybody who has succeeded in anything took a chance. If you are going to prosper, you must take chances. Have the courage. You know, the scripture says when uh, Joshua came, uh, uh, brought Israel out uh, into the, to the promised land, God said to him, look at the scripture there. It says in, in verse, Joshua chapter 1 verse 6, he said, be strong and of good courage for this people you shall divide 
as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe uh, to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn to, from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. You know the Bible, yes, God is commanding uh, Joshua and said that be courageous. He said it twice. Be courageous, be courageous because you need courage to walk in a certain place. Why? Because the principalities and powers, the rulers of dark, the darkness of this, uh, this world, they are, they are not there for chatter. They are not there to have a conversation with you. They are there to fight you. You know, the world says that what you want, I have it. But if you have guts, if you have conviction, if you have tenacity, then you can come and collect the thing. Bible, Jesus said that how can you, uh, uh, one go into a strong man's house and dispossess the strong man of his goods? Unless he first binds the strong man, then he can make a spoil of his goods. So you need courage. You need to be courageous. Post-COVID-19, you and I need courage to stand for the conviction that we have. Amen. Then, then number five, consecration. Be consecrated. To be consecrated means that you are cleansed and prepared. Only the will of God shall stand. When Jesus went to Gethsemane, he prayed the prayer of consecration. He said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I am in this for what God wants to do. If God says, it's enough, I am ready. If God says, I should move, I move. If God says, I should stay, I stay. If God says, I should go, I'll go. Hallelujah. Number six, the sixth C is contribution. Remember that you are a contributor of other people's prosperity. You are a contributor of other people's blessings. So never withhold your hand. Maybe God is using you and God is using this message to make you a contributor. There are somebody, there's somebody you must in, in, introduce to another person for them to be married. That's contribution. There's somebody you must introduce to a, for a certain job. You must introduce somebody to a certain business. You must introduce somebody to a certain place. Hallelujah. Like some people are sitting in the UK, their family are elsewhere, and you have never invited anybody to come and, and, and live in this part of the world because you want to be the local champion when you go back. Be a contributor. Finally, communion. Remember, all this is not to take you away from God, but rather to make you closer. You know, I, I, I was saying to somebody that I wish I don't have any need for working, for money, you know, resources, so that I can spend more time with God. Because going to work it takes too much of my time. I want to have that opportunity so I can stay in the house of God. I can stay in the presence of God the whole day. And that's my job. Ten hours a day, I just commune with God. It's amazing, but I find myself working harder in the last uh, seven, eight weeks of, of uh, lockdown. I see myself working harder. I don't go to bed at all for a very long time, working hard. Because I want to stay in that place of communion. And I think that is a place that we, you and I need to be. So seven C's will help us to get to that place of prosperity.